We're getting better and better at that one. I think so. It's so slick. It's so yeah, chilled, yeah. right? Can you feel the yeah. vibe? <laughs> good. Mate, you're in the zone, I can tell you. You're brimming. Absolutely spiffing off the weekend. Uh, because <laughs> I've just slept for like 20, 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. You get like three and a half hours sleep or four and a half hours sleep in the frame. You're like, oh, gross. <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 40K Fireside Podcast. I'm David Gaylor, and I'm joined by my good friend, Vic Vijay. Together, we discuss 40K in the meta from our perspective, along with events we've recently been to and those that have got coming up. So come on down to the fireside and listen. Alrighty, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of 40K Fireside. We're hitting you up with episode four being produced at just a measly day after the conclusion of the London Grand Tournament. Uh, if you've if you're a new listener, welcome to the 40k fireside. And if you're a uh, returning listener, welcome back as well. I really appreciate uh, everyone coming back and having a listen. Uh, in addition to that, we had uh, just a metric ton of people come up to Vic and myself uh, at the London Grand Tournament. People from all over the globe, which to uh, which for us was really um, kind of insightful as to kind of the outreach we've had with this podcast so far, and provide just amazing feedback. Um, nothing but positive feedback everyone kind of saying keep what you guys are doing we're really enjoying it so we just want to say thank you if you've came up and given us a piece of feedback in person or if you've dropped a piece of feedback on our uh, youtube videos or something on the reddit post or facebook post we really appreciate that keeps us going and uh, keeps us motivated to keep doing better Uh, without further ado i'll uh, hand it over to vic and he'll discuss what we're going to be talking about today hi guys welcome back and uh yeah, I mean, uh, I'm also pretty humbled by the feedback that we received. And, uh, you know, we received so much positive feedback that kind of keeps us going and, and doing this and people are actually finding it useful, which is great. And we hope to continue that with uh, episode number four, where uh, we're just fin- going to finish up the intro shortly. And then we're going to move on to the main topic, which is talking about the London GT. Now, there's a huge number of games between the two of us. So we're going to try and pick out important things and, and kind of give you guys not only uh, our journey and our story through the event, but also kind of hopefully give you some learning points as well that you can take away for your competitive games. Uh, Once we've gone through the London GT, which might take a little bit of time, we do have a few interesting discussion topics for today. Uh, We wanted to kind of touch on uh, kind of what our aims are going forward and, and where we see ourselves following a big event like the London GT. But also, we wanted to talk about where the meta is and what potentially we'd like to see change with the balanced data slate. Um, and finally, Leagues of Votan did get some adjustments made by Games Workshop, and we wanted to talk a little bit more about our thoughts about, you know, was it enough? Was it enough? You'll find <laughs> out in part three. <laughs> Let's kick it over to part two. That wraps up part one. We hope you're enjoying listening, and we'll be back shortly with part two. All right, everyone, welcome back to part two of the 40K Fireside. This is where we're going to be covering the London, G- the London GT and our experience. Primarily, we're going to be talking about Vic because if you don't know already, Vic took home third place at the London Grand Tournament and I bombed out uh, to lose against the, the overall winner of the tournament, which doesn't feel too bad. But I mean, Vic had an absolute killer of a weekend. Uh, the guy went in and absolutely destroyed everything and a lot of racks as well <laughs> so, spoiler alert um he had a great weekend uh, and i'm just absolutely so stoked for him um 
he took a, a an absolute powerhouse of a list and it really just outperformed i think it, both of our expectations and i think everyone at the event but we'll probably get more into that in part three but if you don't know the london grand tournament it's the largest tournament in the whole of europe covering about 720 players that showed up i think and uh, all in all, though, across all the game systems they have in the London Grand Tournament, I think there's about 1,400 players at the event center. So maybe if someone can drop a comment and let me know if that's the largest event, board games event in Europe or in the world, I'd be really keen to know. Mm-hmm. Because, look, when you guys get there, it's absolutely phenomenal. The crowd is amazing. Everyone is so happy to be there. There's so many great board games, card games as well, even. Such a good vibe all around. But uh, the tournament, nonetheless, um, comprised of the Invitational, which happened on the Friday which was a three-game series and then one game on the Saturday, uh, knockout. And then it comprised of the main event for 40K singles, which is three events on the Saturday, three to four events on the Sunday, and then three events on the Monday. So all the way to a true undefeated uh, player. So it's an absolutely enormous tournament, done uh, really well. And before we go into the games, I'd just like to say shout-out to Zach for organizing it because it uh, was run absolutely phenomenally, completely smooth. There was a very little any, to any drama. There was no operational issues. Um, the food was great. Beverages were great as well. So I think just pulling something off like that is a really momentous thing. And I'm just really proud of Zach for doing that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, what a massive achievement to pull that together. And, you know, uh, I've seen him improve the London GT and his events as time goes on. And I think this is kind of the culmination of all of his hard work. Um, Every single aspect of it from the logistics, the timekeeping, the judging, the toilet facilities, there was so many toilets everywhere. It was amazing. And, you know, there was five food carts there, as well as the most incredible coffee kind of stand I've ever had uh so yeah yeah you couldn't really there was nothing to really complain about which um you know 40k players we do like to complain about the events <laughs> but uh yeah enough of that um let's go straight on to the invitational where vic decided to play so a bit of context i decided not to play the invitational i had an extremely stressful last couple of weeks at work and my parents are arriving from new zealand so for that reason i decided not to play and but Vic just did decide to play, um, so that's uh, kind of our differing decisions there. And I think we <laughs> talked about that in episode three. But uh, the Invitational tournament is a mix of um, kind of content creators and high end players uh, in a pseudo seeded bracket, and it's a sixteen player event. I think a couple of people dropped, mm-hmm. um, but basically it's four rounds knockout, um, true winner. So Vic, um, you were playing the same list you played at the London Grand Tournament, which in episode three, if you want to check it out, you, he goes through the entire list, Embers Children. Uh, so let us, uh, what was your round one? Yeah. So, uh, you know, with my Empress children, I went into the tournament and I had three games on the Friday before the main event started. And I f- my first round was against Danny Everson and Danny mm-hmm. Everson's a long time, uh, kind of tournament player. He's, he's one of the competitive players rather than one of the content creators in this event. Um, and Danny was bringing, uh, a really good Necron list, I'd say. And, mm-hmm. I know Danny is extremely competent. He's been applying for Team England, etc. Um, the big difference with his list was he was running two of the Doomside Flyers, which I think are one of the more... They're the third best flyer in the game, in my mm. opinion. It's a bit of a curveball in the list as well, right? Mm, it's a bit of a difference. And uh, it's not the only Doomsides I played at the event, actually. And to be honest, I was quite impressed with them because um, what actually happened in this game is that I was unable to kill the Doomsides. So yeah. uh, the way that Danny played it, he maximized the buffs on the Doomsides and he played them out of strategic reserves. So the Doomsides wow. do gain core, they gain all of the rerolls from the Silent King. So 
on paper, it looks like, okay, they've got three big shots and then 10 mm. little Tesla shots. That's not going to do anything. But when you give them full rerolls, like hit, wood, everything, uh, it, it massively adds up. So, um, yeah. Uh, Danny was playing with kind of the Silent King, the usual kind of Scarab Swarm, Scorpic Destroyers, Wraiths. Uh, he had a few Tomb Blades. And essentially, it's a list that was built around the damage output from a big unit of Destroyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we started playing this game, we were playing in Abandoned Sanctuaries, which is immediately an advantage for me because that's the mission where he can't pregame move. Uh, and pretty much every Necron player is taking the pregame move and making their whole army OPSEC. So, yeah, that's uh, definitely the mission you want to get <laughs> That's a good start, you know? Um, so, we played this game out. I don't have the exact scores with me because when we submitted the scores for the invitation, we just had to put 100 and 0 because mm-hmm. it was a knockout, entirely knockout, we meant. Um, and uh, we played an extremely tight game. I think Dave came over to my table. Uh, oh, no, someone else came. Malik came over to my table and he was messaging our group. And I told Malik, look, Malik, like, this is really close. You know, uh, I've lost half my army. He's lost half his army. Mm-hmm. Um, but what actually happened was, despite the fact that we had very similar amounts of models on the board, he wasn't scoring any primary during this game. Mm. Um, so he was getting zero, zero, zero on the primary. And then by the end of the game, we both only had a few models left on the table. And unfortunately, my score was significantly higher there. Which is, I'm just going to stop you there, which is interesting, right? Because mm. that's a direct consequence of playing the Doom sites, in my opinion. Mm. The Doom sites do not contribute anything to the Necron game plan of winning primary or winning the secondary, mm-hmm. right? So that's the big trade-off you take with them, right? And it's funny that you mentioned, like, I just ignored the Doom Scythes because I was, like, thinking to myself, well, you just shoot them with Blastmaster straight away and they would almost crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said you didn't actually shoot them at all, which, when you think about it, too, makes more sense because you're actually just trying to play the secondary and primary game and, if you, and you're going to probably out-trade them in the middle of the board anyway. Exactly. So there was a decision point where it was like, I can deal with these Doom Scythes, but... Like, do I care if I get tabled mm. here? It doesn't matter. Like, all I need to do is just really put pressure on him with points. And um, yeah, and that's how it ended up. But I have to say that Danny was probably um, one of the very best, like, actual technical players I played all event. And I had awesome. a really enjoyable first game there. Yep. Uh, and Danny plays a lot on TTS as well. I know he's been practicing. So, shout out to him. In fact, Danny and I played in uh, Birmingham semifinals for the Super Major as well, where he played. Uh, really well, and I just had a list advantage there. But um, yeah, nice. What was this? What was the round two? Uh, round two moved on to uh, an exceptional player <laughs> called Malik Amin Rubio, who is uh, one of the founders of the team that me and Dave play for, which is Dice Down. Rusty these days, isn't he? Though? He's a little rusty. He's, he's <laughs> semi-retired now. So Malik You're beating is, up an old man. <laughs> Malik is not playing. Uh, kind of, you know, he's not following the meta or playing the very best list in the meta. He's invited mm. to this purely on his kind of legacy and what a good player he is player skill wise but army wise he was bringing GSC and he uh, brought a really interesting GSC army I'd say that the GSC army that's come to light at the moment is the one that Innes was running which was running Mm -hmm. uh, multiple units of big bike squads uh, now, Malik did have one big bike squad with a five-up feel no pain, five-up in, really tough to kill, uh, okay. and brings back, uh, I think it was D3 models a turn? D3 uh, bikes or oh something like that, yeah, quad gosh. bikes, which is like 12 wounds. Unkillable. Yeah. Um, and then he had two uh, big units of aberrants, and then uh, a few like shooty units, big units of shooty guys, and one unit of punchy guys. 
Um, and when I say shooty, I mean, they're not really very shooty. When I say punchy, they're really punchy. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of how GSC Two units works. of aberrance. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the aberrants, yeah. Uh, the aberrants. Two units of aberrants and one neophyte hybrids with four rock drills, I want to say. That's right. Okay. And it, the yeah. shooter units are called acolytes, I think. Acolytes, that right? there you go. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Uh, and then the supporting host of characters as well. Um, and What was the uh, overall flow of that game? Uh, the flow was interesting. So uh, I, I moved in. So Malik went first, uh, which is not ideal for him. But then mm. he, he was able to deep strike one turn earlier. So his first turn, he jostled for position. He put his bikes onto an objective. I completely underestimated how tough those bikes were. And I killed three and he brought three back. Uh, so essentially, my first turn was I killed nothing. Um, and then his second turn, uh, his whole army kind of appeared <laughs> and his whole Hello. army appeared. I had failed, I think, all of the buffs on my Terminators. Uh, he ch charged my Terminators with his entire army um, and tried to kill some noise Marines. The problem is it's so swingy trying to deal with the noise Marines. You, mm. you end up kind of killing two or three here and there. He yep. didn't quite kill a Venom Crawler. So his shooting was completely ineffective. That's how it felt. Mm -hmm. uh, but his combat was also was interesting. Now, he had to get off a uh, fight last on me, which he just about managed to pull, push through. Um, and then Wait, So he did or didn't get it? He did. So he failed I... the spell, rerolled, failed the spell. Mm. Uh, and then he had to make a hit, I think. And with a crossfire or exposed or yeah, something, exposed, that can make you fight last on Exactly. Yeah, uh, and he almost missed that. He, I think he got a single hit to make me expose. <laughs> <laughs> so he was stressed. And then got him. he had to make his uh, 3d6 pick the two highest charge. He failed it yeah. uh, the first right. time. Classic. He rerolled and he got it. So he got his two aberrant units and the, um, the, uh, the, the kind of punchy big unit in as so well. He had, to, he had to do a lot more work, but he got there in the end. He did. He was sweating yeah. through that. You know, the, the heart rate was racing. And <laughs> um, he managed to get in. And I think he killed eight out of the 10 Terminators yeah. there. That's with the aberrants, right? That's, yeah. And they rerolled to wound, I want to say, off the top of my head, hitting on threes, rolling ones or something. And then flat three damage, strength eight, I want to say. Yeah, the flat three yeah. damage was the key bit. He yep. uh, opted. Especially if you fail your five up. Feel no pain, right? He opted instead of doing the five of feel no pain on his unit to actually put an additional point of AP on the weapons mm. on one of the yep. units, uh, yeah. and also plus one attack on that unit. So that unit really like killed like seven it. terminators by itself. Yeah. Um, and but the thing was, Abaddon was right <laughs> there. You know, and this is a recurring theme. Like Abaddon yes, was there. Yeah. He was there. We're going to discuss this. He yeah. was waiting. And uh, yeah, sure. He killed all the Terminators. But the problem was the GSC army is just absolutely made of paper. Yeah. And you just can't take the hit back. So uh, when the dust cleared, he was left with like a spattering of models here and there. Uh, and by turn three, we we knew where the game was going. Malik conceded, but he said, oh, let me play out a few more turns. We played out a few more turns, got a few exciting fights in, and then uh, we called it called it a game there. So Then on to round three. What did you... Uh, so GSC dispatched pretty, yep. pretty, pretty easily. Abaddon doing absolute work there, <laughs> as I can imagine. Probably how many... How many Aberrants did Abaddon actually end up taking them? So the, uh, Malik had a unit of 10. Uh, Abaddon yeah. killed nine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, 300 point model. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Round three. How did Abaddon win you this game? <laughs> uh, Abaddon did win me this game. This was this this game was prime Abaddon. Okay. <laughs> Didn't even know so, that. This is against uh, Dino, Dino Co. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And Dino had just beaten Innis in the previous round. Yep. So Dino was the hero 
of of the Invitational. Yep. And we lined up against each other. He's the most chill dude in the world. Yeah, man. I didn't get to meet him at the Invitational. Oh, I was just so oh, nice. Man. Oh, at the main event. I really yeah. wanted to meet him, but he seems like a great guy. Yeah, and he was just like he has he has a little accent and he's just like Vic the voice. And I was like, Oh, you're so cool, Dino. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we set up, he had a towel list which was based around uh, three units of suits. So a little unit of two, a unit of three, and a unit of five. It was towel set with two Sunshark bombers, Shadow Sun, and a couple of commanders. Um, it's a classic list, and then the chaff with the crew and the crude hounds. He got first turn here, so I had no buffs on my Terminator. And Dino looked at me, and Dino said, I'm going to go for violence. I'm going to kill your whole Terminator blob this turn, because I know I won't be able to kill them for the rest of the game if I don't deal with it now. So he only used the two Sunshark bombers. That's it on the uh on the terminators nothing else and he managed to kill six out of ten there so that's pretty good value. yeah he got he got his early game hit there with the uh with the sunshark bombers and then he uh, wait before before hmm. we go on is a completely legit, legitimate question hmm. is killing six out of ten terminators good if you give up both your sunshark bombers for free and you can resurrect your Terminator for distance. So it's a 50-50, right? Because uh, if you get the Terminators low enough that you can drop them to below three models. So say you have multiple activations, you can kill three Terminators with your big uh, blob of, mm. of crisis suits. Then everything else can shoot any characters that are around them, mm -hmm. which is quite significant. That makes the moving into the middle something which I'm doing it at a, as a high-risk proposition. Mm. Now, Dino unfortunately made a mistake of following up the Sunshock Bombers with two uh, crisis suits. And mm. these two crisis suits went right into the middle around my L. They were fully buffed. And the two models killed one of my entire noise marine squads. Decent mm -hmm. enough trade there uh, because that was the only noise marine squad that was kind of threatening that side of the board. Mm -hmm. um, but what happened was that allowed Abaddon to use those two noise marines as a springboard into the middle of the board. Mm. Uh, so then Abaddon was almost outside his deployment zone. At yep, this point, which is not where you want him to be. Yeah. On, the, on the top of your turn two as well, you want him to be maybe in the middle of the board. That's it. And then the five terminate the, the four, and then I healed one. So the five terminators were also kind of sprung board in front of Abaddon at this point. So yep. uh, it gets to Dino's turn. He's had to like be pressured back a little bit more now. So he's right in the corner. And you killed both the sun, Sunshark Bombers on yeah, turn one. The sun, yeah, like one Blastmaster almost kills an entire Sunshark Bomber yeah, yeah. Um, because they're only a four-up armor. So AP3 mm -hmm. goes straight through with four damage hits. You need to get three through and a Sunshark Bomber's dead. Um, so yeah, essentially the game went down to the Noise Marines right in the and Sorry, the Terminators in the middle. He killed all but one of the Terminators and took the three wounds off Abaddon. Mm -hmm. um, and then Abaddon charged in between my shooting and Abaddon. Uh, I killed all of the suits. Every single suit is dead <laughs> in in the army, and I'm yeah, I'm right in his deployment with, with Abaddon with six wounds on him. So that means he cannot yep. kill Abaddon in a single turn. Turn. Exactly. Yep. Well, you get a single turn, yeah. Yeah, he could yep. try and blow up a suit and try and do D three mortal wounds. Huge swing, and it requires him to sacrifice a commander at this stage to do it, which is perfectly yep. fine. So, yep. 
So Dino wanted violence, and he got it. <laughs> he got the violence. <laughs> Abed and Wednesday. And that was, that was my invitational day one. So at this point, uh, the invitationals uh, get shifted over to the end of round one. So essentially, on the first day, the Saturday, there'll be three games of the main event. And at the end of the day, I'll be playing the finals, which in this case would be against Manny Chima with his 175 racks. Yep. Uh, and I, I issue into this game thinking, mm. look, I think a lot of people, and yourself included, thought this was probably not a winning match because mm -hmm. you, we thought that you probably did, you probably didn't have the output. And if Manny, if the 175 rack list were to just blob in combat on all the objectives, mm -hmm. that they would be scoring because they're obsec, and um, you would just be kind of like being denied primary, et cetera, et cetera. And the secondaries are probably balanced a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it was very surprising to learn. I'm going to spoil it completely that Vic. <laughs> Uh, tabled 175 racks in three turns. Mm -hmm. And this just goes to show you how much output this list has. And especially if you let an opponent's entire army collapse onto yours uh, with all, th all three phases in one go. Um, so what were, your, what were your thoughts going into that matchup? Because we had obviously discussed this and thought about it a lot. Um, was, it, was it kind of the same of what I was thinking? Yeah, I mean, um, so Manny uh, did play a rack list in the past where he was kind of utilizing the minus one damage trait. Since then, there's an army of renown which has come out, which uh, means that he has to have a full army of racks. He doesn't get any of those traits, but instead, when his units of racks get below half strength, he gains a four up feel no pain. Mm. Um, is that does that better? Do you think? Uh, for, I feel like minus one damage is really good. I think the point is that um, oh, it's an interesting one. Be I think because the minus one damage got nerfed to not be effective against strength eight. I know it's not so relevant, but there is a lot of strength eight combat out there. Yeah, um, yeah. Potentially, mm, so so. But I, I know what you're saying because he didn't have many hidden combat characters that you normally have in these kinds of lists. Mm. Um, so he had no succubi. He had, because you can't yeah. take that. You had to take Drazar as the only one. Yeah, and I know for example that the succubus and archon and stuff like that in that list were the two were a couple of key pieces where they actually won him a lot of games. Yeah. It was those. It was actually the characters that would duck in into combat deal a ton of the damage and then the racks consolidate around those characters and you still couldn't get to them so it's an interesting decision on that i hadn't really thought about it until i mentioned it just then but um yeah absolutely and so i looked at it and i thought okay look i can't and also it's an awful mission like tide of conviction is <laughs> is like what the hell you don't want a dawn of war with six objectives and a whole yeah. two um, right. so i looked at it i was just like look probably i'm not gonna be able to kill enough racks quick enough and he's just gonna crunch me on the primary and by the time i do kill the racks it's probably too late that's the whole way that manny's list works so who went who went first uh, so uh, Manny went first. Uh, this mm -hmm. sucks. <laughs> That's even worse. Yeah. I don't even get around to shooting. Uh, and Manny, so 175 racks. He wasn't able to hide all of them in deployment, but you better bet he was able to hide them as soon as he got one turn of movement. So yeah. he yeah. used the middle ruins to then make the entire army hidden. Um, I, unless I make some angles. So I have to like jump out and get angles and I know I'm going to be shot then. Every unit of racks has four artifacts or five artifacts. Yep. Or, yeah. um, which are... If you don't know what those guys are, those are guys, it's basically um, a strength. It, it basically wounds everything non-vehicle on a two up. Mm -hmm. It's negative three AP damage two and it's got like a 24 inch range. So each rack unit has like three shots of that, I think. Four. That, four shots which basically auto wounds on a two up yeah so they're actually really good guns like 
really yeah, good. You, you get taken aback at killing noise marines. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was thinking, right? Well, what can I do? I've probably already lost this game. Let's get out. I'll shoot a little bit, and uh, let me just uh, like run some cultists out. He'd put some scourges on my home objective in order to get two of the mm. bonus points. Um, which uh, probably it's a bit of a head scratcher that one. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. I mean, it makes sense, but. It also allowed me to use my 10 cultists, jump out, mm. charge the scourges. I shot them a little bit, killed them, left one alive. But I essentially got a big move block across one yep. flank. And uh, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop mm. right there, guys. This is a bit of a lesson for everyone. Is that when you put something in front of your opponent's army, they're not just going to shoot it. Like a very good player is not just going to shoot that. They're going to see that unit as a complete freebie of movement. So if you put something in front of your opponent's army, they're not just going to go, oh, I'm going to shoot that because it's the easiest right in front of me. It's like, how can I get really greedy with my angles, shoot something, charge back into that reposition? So it's very dangerous putting something in front of your opponent's army like that, in my opinion. Absolutely, man. Because what was, uh, even moving 12 inches is a fast unit. But now this yeah. unit of cultists has moved 6 inches, 2d6 charge, 3-inch piling, 3-inch consolidate. You know, yeah. That's uh, l looking at up to 24 inches of movement on a unit of yeah. cultists. Um, so yeah, I have this unit of cultists blocking off a flank, and it, it, the main difficulty for me in this matchup in terms of damage output is that the homunculi give plus one toughness to his racks, mm. and toughness five is a huge breakpoint for my army because everything is strength four or strength eight, pretty much. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, so it's importantly uh, all your bolters are strength four, right? So all your ranged attack before yeah, you want to get into anything exactly apart from the blastiness, uh, you know. My blastmasters, the profile that I want to use is a strength five profile. Uh, oh, right, the right. wide profile so yeah. it, annoyingly it's uh, it's like really awkward to have a full army of minus one to win but Manny stacked both of his homunculi on one flank which is the flank mm -hmm. that I move blocked and the other flank had no homunculi so there was about 75 racks that had just toughness four mm -hmm. um, so I had waited a turn on that flank and then uh, shot it a little bit and then Manny was kind of in two minds. He knew that was his weak flank. So he kind of came out a little bit uh, on turn two, kind of halfway, not really committing or anything. Um, and on his other flank, he managed to kind of charge the cultists, get right up into my deployment zone. And he thought, okay, if I've got the cultists here and I can't move forward onto Vic's objective directly, I'm just going to put my whole army on Vic's objective. So he essentially moved 100 racks directly in front of my deployment zone. Mm -hmm. um, and this was probably the critical error that he did there that neither of us realized. He had underestimated my output. I had overestimated his toughness here. If I put my whole army into him, in, a, in both of our heads, I don't kill 100 racks. I kill 50. That's, that's mm -hmm. kind of the level we were working at. And yeah. if I kill 50, I've already lost the game. Like, there's mm -hmm. no point. But after charging, punching, shooting everything, I killed all 100 racks. In, oh, every 100 single big one. ones. 100 racks dead on that turn two. Ship them uh, out. <laughs> Get them off the table. Just scooped 100 racks off. and Scoop them up. Uh, it was all done with a combination of kind of shooting combat and morale, importantly. Yeah, very and, important. Yep. And also on my turn uh, one of shooting, I'd realized and asked Manny, you know, how does that four plus field of pain trigger? Like if I mm. kill 18 racks uh, with one attack, do the last eight get a four up feel no pain? So you have to slow roll it. Mm 
Mm. And he was like, no, it's only if at the start of your attack, you're at half strength or under. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Right. So I was uh, kind of timing wow. everything so that I kept the units as close to 11 models as possible before mm. I hit them with some the most substantial stuff. Say yep. combat is probably the most substantial way of me killing things. You're uh, genius. So, so yeah, so I put loads of units at 11 and then I charged into combat. So they were all getting five up feel no pains against me. Yep. Uh, and then they were losing like the last two models to morale and he was left with like one, one, one model everywhere almost. Great. Um, and then he played out his turn his army just has zero damage. Drazar went in and killed a single Terminator. <laughs> uh, like, just, I don't know, he killed one unit of Noise Marines. So he, oh, he yeah. didn't do anything significant. Yeah. Um, and then the turn after, we just rolled a few dice and he yeah, just, yeah. you know, he was tabled. So there was nothing left there. So that was the, that was the Invitational done and That's dusted. It. That's it. So Destroyed I him. managed to win the Invitational, which is, uh, yeah, which for me, is like a, a really big achievement. I know it's only a small event, but um, like it's something I've always wanted to do and I've always seen people doing while, while I've been playing mm. 40K. And now to actually do it and actually win it. Uh, it was extremely satisfying. I had such a big buzz after that. Yeah, I, I remember you were buzzing the next <laughs> day. You're so like, yeah, I, just, I just killed them all. Like, <laughs> they all died. They just died. <laughs> yeah. GG. So Abaddon, I'm assuming, uh, just to keep this trend going, was an absolute powerhouse in that game as well. Yeah, he was He was good. But the Terminators were the MVP okay. in that game. Yeah, because uh, they just have lots of shots and stuff but, like that. And yeah, Manny can't yeah. kill them. He, even with the artifacts, he can't kill them. So yeah. uh, without the Terminators, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So yeah. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Funnily enough, I think that matchup is a pretty clear example of why you would want to be playing the old version of it oh, true. Uh, true, instead true. of the um, four up feeling the pain one because yeah. the characters would really um, chew through. I mean, eh, I think it's still tough because the battle is really strong. But... Yeah. yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Well, well, congratulations. Obviously, winning the Invitational was uh, wicked. Cheers, Dave. Um, yeah, I mean, um, obviously, the Invitational happened after day one of the games, but mm. maybe if you wanted to kind of like run through your entire LGT event, that might be, uh, this might be a good time to <laughs> do it. You can... It'll be a bit shorter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll run you through. Yeah, day one was um, pretty relaxed. Um, what did I have round one, man? Um, I remember my first, my first three games of day three, I kind of think atypically are... Um, well, typically are pretty straightforward. I think I played against Custodies. That was pretty straightforward. Uh, and then I played against, I want to say, hmm, I think it's something round one. I, I'm sorry if I can't remember your name. I, I really apologize. Um, but then I had a good game against Lewis, I think from Bad Moon Cafe. Ah, Lewis Fitzsimmons. Lewis Fitzsimmons, yeah. Oh, um, very yeah, great. Uh, yeah, had a great game. We were playing uh, Death and Zeal. And it was, uh, he was playing Sisters. Just a very stock standard Sisters list um and um yeah it was just really good man i tell you what and this is uh this is very thematic of my entire tournament mm -hmm. uh, either my dice rolls were absolutely atrocious <laughs> or my opponent's dice rolls were insane so <laughs> we oh, had one point lewis chapman had, not lewis fitzsimmons that's lewis it. chapman sorry yeah. we had we had one we had this moment right mm -hmm. my turn one he's put his rhino um on uh, on an objective where he can disembark what i did was i was like okay looked at cp can emergency disembark I lined up my harpies to block both sides of the rhino mm -hmm. so that he couldn't disembark emergency on both sides of it. Mm -hmm. Particularly, he couldn't emergency into the ruin where I couldn't see him. Lined up my zone throat smites uh, mm -hmm. so that I could smite it as well. And um, this is all kind of before the game because I waited slow roll the deployment of his rhino so I'd know where it was going. And then I lined up my warriors with an advance to get onto the ruin so I could see all the way down parallel with the rhino. So whatever it got out, I was I was blasting everything. And it was like uh, one unit of repenter and one unit of... Um, something else mm -hmm. and so i'm like great smite 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 the rhino's on three it's got three left i'm like okay great 
okay, shoot my Stranglethorn Harpy into the Rhino. Takes nothing. I'm like, okay, that's a little <laughs> bit unlucky, you know. I'll shoot my I'll shoot my little squad of warriors, like twelve despoters. Takes no damage. I'm like, okay, you know, all right, you know, AP two still, you know, yeah, it's all right. okay, okay. I'm like, it's all right, because I got my heavy venom cannon harpy at neg three AP flat four. Slow roll my hits. CP one six hits. I'm like, okay, okay, five wounds. I'm like, okay, well that's good. I'm not going to complain. That's pretty good. Threes into threes, you know, you convert five, you're happy. Rolls five five. I'm like, are you joking me, bro? <laughs> and my whole, like my army is just like, you know, he can disembark right into my army and get into me. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I had encountered some redundancy for that. Mm-hmm. I put venom throws behind a lot of my stuff so that if he charged, I was going to be able to get some counterplay in terms of making a fight last and stuff. But I was just like, man, like, like, come on, give me a break. And then of course now I have to shoot my whole warrior brick into it, completely blasted out of the water. But uh, I've got no shooting left after that, um, and tried to roll like a twelve-inch charge with my um, uh, my tyrant guard. But yeah, I mean, so I still ended up winning that game. Uh, that's, that's a really fun. favorable game. Um, obviously, Vicky used to play sisters, and we used to play um, quite a bit versus each other. Yeah. So that one, I think, when you've got two harpies, is pretty straightforward. Absolutely, so you kind when of you can pick off stuff. Finishing up day one on three and zero, wasn't it? There, yeah, three and zero day so, one. Yeah, I didn't really feel start. like I'd played. Yeah, I, I didn't really feel like I'd played any games that really pushed me yeah. um but then so we have round four of uh, mm-hmm. day two so i'm like great um i get to my table and um this is in the top tables and uh my opponent doesn't show up and so everyone around me is kind of joking like oh. mom did he just see the pairings and <laughs> decided to fuck that so i was playing against the guy I was playing against a guy um named kyle perry mm-hmm. and I, I didn't recognize him either and he was playing harlequins and we we're playing tide of conviction so mm-hmm. like this is kind of this is the exact matchup that uh, Kyle really did not want. <laughs> um, tighter conviction. I've got the five obsec neuro throat. I've got just warriors. You know, hold two, hold three. Dawn of War like against Harlequins. You know, I, I was like, okay, you know, this is going to be a good one. Um, very favorable matchup for Turinids for sure. Um, so he arrives uh, late. Um, we have to put the clock on because the TOs um, were kind of watching me. Like your opponents are showing up. You put the clock on. Uh, and then um, he, he kind of just arrives in time. The TO was by me and um, said, like, you know, we're going to have to repair you. And I just begged him. I was like, please, like, don't repair me. Like, <laughs> I don't want this guy to get zero. Like, I just want to play the game. Um, and then, yeah, he, he was just on the way just after that. And then so, uh, yeah, so we ended up playing. Um, just a really lovely guy. He was like, super cool, wasn't he? He was super nice, man. Yeah, we go along absolutely great. Um, we were chatting tons during the game, like, through thought processes and stuff like that. Like, I, I like doing that. I think I, I enjoy the game a lot more when I do that with mm-hmm. opponents, even though it is detrimental to me to a certain sense. You'd be, like, legitimately helping my opponents play. But, um, I mean, it was a comfortable-ish matchup anyway for me, so I, I figured I'd rather have given the opportunity to learn um, and, and uh, not that he needed that a lot. He was really sharp. Um, but yeah, it was great, you know, bouncing around with Harlequins everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually, I got to pick him up. Had my had actually two nice rolls there where I super smited his, um, uh, his Star Weavers with my Zone Throats uh, with the 3D6 to cast, uh, re-rolling into a super smite when I, I CP'd the cast nice. uh, just to make it that much more consistent because that's the easiest way to pop the Star Weavers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that game was really good. He was playing a fun list. He was really sharp on doing the fallback six inches and, and everything like that with his troops, which was um, just nice to see. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was a really nice guy. And then <laughs> round five. Oh, okay. yep. So I'm just going to put out there, guys. I know I know. a lot of times I've said, like, you know, there's the luck. Luck in 40K is not really that important mm-hmm. in terms of there's a lot of way to mitigate luck. And there are a lot of ways to reduce the variance in your roles to play a game that is more... Um, outcome orientated because of your skill rather than anything else 
But when you're playing against um, some of the top games, the, you do need to take risks. And that's going to be a thematic uh, thing of this game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I ended up playing against uh, Alexandra... Uh, what's his Sacco. Uh, Alexandra Sacco. Sacco yes. Who ended up winning the LGT. Yeah, winning so the he's whole playing, event. Winning the whole event. So he's playing Empress Children, very similar to Vixless, mm-hmm. but he's got a Disco Lord and he's dropped a unit of Noise Marines. He's got something else. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, cool. And my private thoughts were, I knew that this list was very strong and that I'm gonna. Have, this is going to be a tough game. Mm-hmm. He picked Assassinate and, and No Prisoners, and we're playing the angular deployment mission where you get to move the objective. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, okay, off the top of my head, like I've got a, got a secondary advantage here. I'm going to play KG. I end up going first and actually doing almost nothing. I flew my Harpy, bombed five Noise Marines, and just flew off the board. Mm-hmm. Killed like one or something like that. Repositioned my army, raised some banners, did almost nothing. Uh, went for a mental interrogation as well. Because mm-hmm. that's where I was going to leverage it. His turn two. His turn one. Classic, you know, very thematic thing that he does. Six-inch advance the Terminators right onto the middle. But what he does is he leaves his Abaddon out the back of the Terminator brick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, thinking to myself, like, if you're going to leave him there, like, I'm going to kill him. Like, Freebie. Okay, great. My turn two. I'm like, okay. 3d6 to cast on my Tyrant. Okay. Uh, I'm in uh, four up and vulnerable at the moment. No, no, I'm in I'm in plus one to cast right now. So I haven't even used the four up and vulnerable because I didn't even pick one on the first turn because nothing was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Move my tyrant next to his Abaddon. Asked him many, many times, can you make me fire last? No, can not make you fire last? Because he couldn't heroic the character I'm and fight use the fight last for three CP. Right. He only had two. Right. So I'm like, okay. I knew he could heroic a character. And I was like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, smite with my uh, hive tyrant, mm-hmm. 3d6, get a super. I'm like, okay, one damage. Okay. <laughs> Psychic Scream goes off. One damage. Okay. Okay. All right. Not great, but you know, we've still got plenty in it. Okay. And by the way, guys, like the flyer killing a badden is like pretty much game at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, for so, reasons I'll describe later. But Just so people know, Abaddon can only take three wounds in a phase, but the Tyranid Reaper of Obliterax allows you to ignore phase caps like that on any of the damage that the, the Hive Tyrant does. So Exactly. Yeah. And even if you don't, even if you didn't have the Reaper, I could still kill him in one turn with the flyer because I could smite him. And then I was like, okay, I've still got the charge on the charge. Use the uh, uh, impact one where you deal mortals on the charge. Mm-hmm. Roll a one. I'm like, great. Because <laughs> on a hive tyrant, you deal flat three on a two up because you've got the horn chicken keyword, right? Okay, at this point, I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> All right, not, this is going well. <laughs> this is a little bit close. You know? And Alex is just like, dude, what are your rolls, man? Like, <laughs> like you just rolled like five ones in a row. I'm like, I'm like okay, it'll even out. I'm like, okay. I mean, that's pretty rough. Like, dealing, failing the two up is kind of like, come on. Uh, okay, anyway, going with the Reaper. Pay for four rerolls to wound because he's T6. I'm going to be winning on threes. I want to do it anyway. Okay, going to swing. Out of five hits, three ones. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Reroll ones to hit, hitting on twos. Reroll three ones, two ones. I'm like, okay, so I've just hit three times out of five. Like, that's not fantastic. Uh, at this it's point, I'm enough. going, it's still okay. Oh. I'm like, it could still make it, right? Yeah. Okay, he's transhuman. Roll all my hits. Uh, roll my wounds. All fail. Okay. Not great. Reroll. One wound got through. Oh. One wound on my hive tyrant oh. got through. And the thing is, guys, this is like a 95%, 90, like maybe greater than 95% chance of working because on the smite uh, psychic screen, you easily average three on 3d6 to cast plus one. You'll always pass. On the charge, you have a 16% chance not to do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that'll put him at six. Then with the Reaper, you should wound four times, mm-hmm. which would mean that he already takes four wounds. He's on two. 
then he would have to pass every single, he would have to pass two fail two. Mm -hmm. So, and then you have two talent attacks on top of that as well. Mm -hmm. So the chances of this going off are really, really high. Anyway, okay. I don't kill Abaddon. And then just the luck just goes out the window after that as well. His Abaddon one scoops my uh, Flyrant. I'm like, okay, that's great. So his Abaddon moves close <laughs> to my course. army. Uh, his Abaddon then makes like a 10-inch charge into my Tyrant Guard. Like, great. His Terminators make a um, uh, like a 2-inch charge because he has the Auto 6 into my Neurothrope. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, my Neurothrope will probably live here, but he gets more in than I expected. And then this is the real kicker. He charged 3 Possessed into my Venom Thropes and my Neurothrope, right? Mm -hmm. Fail the 3-up fight last. I'm like, great. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then he attacks my Neurothrope. I'm like, okay, like there's no way my Neurothrope's going to die, right? 3 Possessed, 16 attacks, hitting on 3s, right? So 11 should go through. Wounding on fours because of transhuman, you mm -hmm. should get five and a half maybe. Mm -hmm. My neurothrope dies. He's got six wounds and his damage is a two attacks. His his attacks are two damage apiece. I fail like straight away. I fail three. My first three saves I fail on a three up invulnerable. I'm like, come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my neurothrope dies. My neurothrope dies. And um, after that, I just I tried for a hail mary play where his abaddon was on five wounds. I fell back my new venom thropes um, next to his abaddon within three inches. Mm -hmm. Moved my other Venom Thropes next to Abaddon in three inches. Tried to get the double um, fight last to cause two mortal wounds to then try and um, take him down to three. And then my Warriors multi-charge to do that. Um, and then I failed both the three ups as well. So it was just like, man, I mean, that was a very rough game. Oh, After that, I just tough. said, Alex is just like, man, I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, you just, <laughs> like he, 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 me and him were chatting a lot. And he was like, look, I think you win this game like 90 out of 100 probably. Mm -hmm. and, he, and, I, and I really need these big swings to go my way and stuff. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think, yeah. So that was my that was my basically out. So I'm out of the tournament at that right, range. You know, right. disappointing, obviously. Um, and but the thing is, I think, you know, it's obviously really disappointing. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I think I played that game right. And mm -hmm. you can always go back in 40k and look back and say, should I have taken that risk? Should I have not have done that? Mm. I could have maybe played safer. But there are times where you have to say, this is the correct way to play the game. Yeah. This makes the most logical sense. I remember telling, talking to you afterwards. You're like, "Of course, you got to pick it up, right?" Yeah. Um, and when we play, you you know, you never leave Abaddon for that exact reason, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm terrified. Even, he, <laughs> yeah. And he didn't put it in creations of Baal either. I was like, "Did you put in creations of Baal?" He's like, "No." I'm like, "So you can't fight on death. You can't make me fight last." I'm like, "Well, okay." Like, you know. And then I could have overrun. So here's the thing, guys. He heroked his character in. Even if I killed Abaddon and he locked his character in. Then he would have either had to have killed my flyrant with shooting, which means that he couldn't have shot my harpies, mm -hmm. or he would have had to kill my flyrant in melee. But I have two CP for fight on death in melee as well. So right. if, he, if he kills it in melee, I get a whole other activation with my reaper, which is like extremely hard to come back from as well. Yeah. Um. So either way, if my flyrant lived there, it would have been. Um, it's a huge yeah, threat saturation turn, basically. Yeah. Which and uh, I get the deny as well out. because he he's going to be minus one to cast for my flyrant, mm. and I get the deny as well on the um on some of the terminators. Some of the defensive too, so. buffs. Yeah. So it's a, it's yeah. a game winning move, like the swing there. Uh, yeah. but also a game-winning loss if it somehow just doesn't work out. And you can't predict exactly, that, yeah. Dave, So, uh, as yeah. you've correctly analyzed there. So dice games beat dice games sometimes. Exactly. You know? And that's, <laughs> I think that's the way to look at it at the end of the day is that you know, as much as we do talk, there is an element of luck to it. Mm. Um, and I think one of the things that when I used to play Magic and what like that as well is that to win a tournament, you really have to be, you have to be, you have to be on a good run, you know? Mm. You have to, your, things have to be going away at the end of the day. And yeah. those matches where it's a very top end match, you know, obviously, you beat you, myself, and Nassim as well. 
yes. um, to make it to the to win the event. Um, so very high end top match. Mm-hmm. Definitely knew he was going. Very competent player. Really good player. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to you need to um, you need to have things going your way. You know to to make a deep deep run in a tournament. Um, and that's you know that's what happened to me at Las Vegas as well. Um, I went first majority of my games in Las Vegas. You know just had things going my way the whole time. You know mm-hmm. I was just I was just in the zone. I was just feeling it. You know, everything seemed to like, I'm just catching the good end of the 50-50s more often than not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's required to, to, be, to be in a good tournament, to make a good deep run for whether it's a super major or an 800-man tournament. Yeah. What do you think on that one? Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've not, known it for a long time uh, that, you know, even for five, a five-tournament game, which is, this is a lot, it's a big tournament, five, five games, mm. uh, five-game tournament, um, it's, uh, you, need, you need luck in pairings, you need things not to swing against you, you just need those moments that push you through when you think you're going to lose, because there will be moments where you think you're going to lose in, in mm-hmm. most events, um, and that's extreme, like very exaggerated, I find, in these long events. Uh, like I've done a couple of Bournemouth uh, events where it's been eight games for everyone and you need stuff to go your way or you will take a loss somewhere. It doesn't yep. matter how good you are or how good your army is. Um, you know, as soon as you get towards the end, there are a lot of players who are just as good as you. Like, for example, exactly, yeah. Alexander here is as good as either of us. He's a brilliant player. Sure. Um, and things went his way, and he didn't make any mistakes. That's the critical thing. You well, know? he did leave us at bad and out in the middle of oh. nowhere for me to go. <laughs> uh, that's true. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Fair play. Yeah, but I, okay, he got away with it. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, you know, aside from it, was, he was a great player. I like, watched his games in the finals. Mm. Uh, he was a great player to watch as well. And um, yeah. yeah, so by me, obviously, my hat's off to him. Congratulations. I, yeah, I'll hopefully, if he listens to the podcast, I'll love it, but I'm, I'm going to send him a message on uh, on the social media or something like that just to Absolutely. tell him congratulations i really enjoyed our game as well and yeah i mean he's a great player to play against really nice and very nice. and just look what i would like to say is you know a perfect exemplary example of someone who you know oh i missed this you know whatever you know go back and do it you know something like that mm-hmm. um when you know i'm i'm maybe he knew um wh- who i was or what i was playing for and stuff like that but mm-hmm. even if he didn't you know he was a really nice guy um playing the playing the game the way it should be played in both of Vix and I's opinion, which is great to see in the community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so already that was my LGT. Anyway, let's, let's zoom through your day one. Yeah, what did you I mean, get day I, one? I'm just go- because, uh, so guys, I did go five and O in the, um, mm-hmm. main event, uh, the, before the cutoff. So I'm not going to go through my games necessarily, but I just wanted to say a thank you to my opponents. I played against Adam Walker round one, who was running corn demons and was an absolute hero. And then corn I played demons. against, <laughs> yeah, full corn demons uh, Abaddon one one bang Scarbrand that was glorious no. uh, <laughs> of course he did and then Robert Rose with his Grey Knights uh, I played Oliver Pickett at the end of the first day who was running Creations of Bile uh, oh Creations of Bile that's a super interesting game um, uh, but I do play another one which I will briefly mention so then Matthew Putney was Necrons. Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, he's so nice. Matt, yeah, Matt and his son were there at the event and he played Necrons. Awesome. We had a great game. It was very close. It was 83-71 to me. Mm. Um, and then finally, I played against Simon Finney uh, on the last game of the main event uh, before the cutoff, who was playing against Creations of Bile as well. But a super interesting list teched in with uh, 18 Flamers, Dave. I don't know if you yep. saw that one. I remember coming to you uh, turn two on that game. 
Yeah. And you were like, man, I don't know if I'm going to win this. This is very typical of Vic, though, guys. Like, <laughs> oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to win this. Oh, yeah, I kind of just killed him. Just kinda, you know, oh, they just kind of all died, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Simon played a really tight game at the start of the game. But I often find people, you know, they the, the mistakes creep in in the mid-game, the little suboptimal plays. And in this case, Simon missed a bit of efficiency in his fighting when he had a good chance to really beat me. But I think he was suffering a little bit from having played five rounds and once you yeah. start to get the headache you you kind of just want to be over and done with it so simon, yeah. uh, thanks for the game simon and uh, he was he was really nice all the way through uh, but i managed to win that one and move on to the cut so the cut was 20 the 22 top players uh which were oh no the 22 undefeated players mm-hmm. at this point uh so 22 people were on five and oh and then it had to get down to a top 16 in order yeah. for there to be four more rounds to play. Yep. So um, the bottom 12 exactly. played a knockout bracket, which That's gave right. you uh, 16 undefeated. So you didn't have to play the shadow no, round, I was, as it's called in LVO. I was number nine. So I oh, managed to nice. skip the shadow round and uh, have a little chill through uh, the evening. But I did have to stay until 8 p.m. that day for uh, one more game, um, which would be the, the first of the round of 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up getting paired into Sid, Sid Sidhu, uh, mm. who's... So this is, when I saw this pairing, I thought, this is probably the best matchup out of the top 16 that you could have gotten, yeah, right? It, it yeah, it really is, because this is Imperial Knights, and uh, my list with the Blastmasters and the Terminators and Abaddon, I'd already played this once against my teammate, George White, and actually, Sid's list went even wider, so it had yeah, more, this is all little 14... knights. It's 14 armages, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All little baby knights, no like uh, mm-hmm. multiple buffs of four plus yep. invuln and minus one damage. He can only put that on one knight a turn and it yep. doesn't stick. Yeah. Um, so w- me and Sid, we played two turns and then he, uh, he, he conceded at that point. He said, You blasted him off the board. Yeah. He said, Look, Vic, you know, uh, I really enjoyed this game, but it's, it's obvious that I, I can't do anything in this one. And he was right. He was just losing four nights a turn every turn. It's, it's not, it's not <laughs> playable for him. Yeah, um, so brutal. So we managed to get a little bit of early night. We finished our game first. I went yes. around, looked at all of the other games, and uh, we kind of moved into the top eight. Uh, after that and and the top eight it's probably worth going through them um yep for so sure. uh, have you got them by you? yeah i've got them next to me so there you go professional uh, table one for the top eight uh was me and mike porter now again i got a little bit lucky here mike Ooh. porter was playing harlequins but um it, in the morning he was unable to actually attend the event because yep. he wasn't able to take time off work uh so i ended up getting a buy on that which was really nice mm-hmm. um and then we had lucas lucas was playing i was from france and he was playing Tyranids. Uh, he had a list with three units of five warriors, uh, two units of Zonethropes, and two Neurothropes. Yeah. So lots of yeah. mortal wound output. He still had the two Harpies. One, yeah. yeah, a little bit different. Um, and he was playing against Lewis Fitzsimmons. Lewis is, was playing the Creations of Bile list that I featured in the last episode. Yep. Great game, by the way. If you guys want to check that game out on Facebook, that's a good game, actually. Absolutely. It's on the London uh, Grand Tournament Facebook page. I yep. think they streamed that one. Uh, and Lucas... Um, like I was talking to Lewis a lot after the game. I didn't really talk to him before the game at all. Yeah. And Lewis made the mistake, which, and, and I see this a lot, and this is a talking point. When you have an army that usually plays a certain way, for example, with Chaos Space Marines, usually the Terminators or your brick goes into the middle and the characters follow with them. Mm. It's very easy to do that every single game without knowing the game when you shouldn't be doing that. 
Yeah. And unfortunately for Lewis, this was the game, in my opinion, that I think he shouldn't have done that. He essentially put his whole army in front of the Tyranids and went for the threat saturation approach, very much like what Manny did against me. Mm-hmm. And both Manny and Lewis, this was their game where they just had to trade a little unit here and mm-hmm. there, keep pinging away the primary. Lucas had one unit of gargoyles and he put them out as a screen to potentially gain him points on primary uh, on his turn one. Lewis put his whole army into the gargoyles, very much like Manny put his whole army into my cultists. But if Manny had sent one unit of racks into the cultists and Lewis had sent one unit of possessed into the into the um, gargoyles, into the gargoyles. Mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, and then, uh, you know, this, the primary score would have been put down and then waited. Mm. Because, and the crucial point here, guys, is that Zonthropes only have 18 inch range on the smite. Correct. And the smite, once you kill the chaff, the smite start hitting the important stuff of Christians of Bile, which is Lucas's game plan. Mm-hmm. And he, I watched an interview with him post um, post game, and he said he likes he's a very patient player, so he mm-hmm. likes to play that way. And it, he actually played it very very well, very well. Um, and so that was the when um, when the Christians of Bile player went all in. Uh, Lucas just duck and weaved and mm-hmm. dodged it really, really well. So he actually played that turn. I thought that's an absolutely brilliant absolutely. turn that he played. And it's not intuitive for the Tyranny no, player to step back with his whole army. No, uh, he's got a very different play style, I think, which is um, really interesting. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, Lucas managed to win that game against Lewis. Um, commiserations, Lewis. And then uh, Nassim played against another Creations of Bile player. So mm-hmm. every table had Chaos Space Marines here, guys. Yep. There was two with Emperor's Children, two with Creations of Bile. And they were all yep. on different tables. Um, so Nassim with his Tau, he was playing a Farsight Enclaves list, uh, which was suit heavy, no Riptides, and two mm-hmm. Sunshark Bombers, and three Commanders. N- none of them were Shadow Sun. Uh, against Ewan's very interesting creations of Bialis, which was a double detachment. Uh, it did have a Brick of Chosen instead of Terminators, and it had four characters, I think, like two Demon Princes and uh, Lord Discord, and so all the punchy characters. Yep. Uh, Nassim managed to take a narrow win on this one, winning at 92-86. Oh, that uh, is a narrow win. Narrow I thought he would have just blasted him off the board, actually. Yeah, I think Nassim got mm. all, all the momentum because he got the first big hit, everything like yep. that. Very much like Lewis, Ewan did what he probably was doing every game, put his whole army in the middle. Mm. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it you just lose too much when you do that against really good Maybe players. I should play that army. You just put your whole army in the middle of the board. That sounds great. No, you're... <laughs> I, see, don't listen to this, guys. You play against Dave. He's way more nuanced than this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then uh, the final round was Alexandra, who beat you mm. and with his Empress children. And he was playing against uh, Dick van der Haast, who's from yep. Netherlands. Yep, uh, really and, good player. Yeah, Dick, brilliant player. And he was playing um, Necrons. Necrons. Yes. Yep. We featured his list in episode three, actually. It was one of the lists where I said, if I was going to play it, this yes. is one of the lists I'd play as well. And uh, Alexander, so I was free, so I was wandering around here. Mm. And I think I came over at the moment that Alexandra made a 12-inch charge with his Terminators. Yep. Uh, and I think three other 9-inch charges or something like that, uh, just across his whole army. Look, I'm going to put it out there, guys. Look, this is Alex's tournament to win. <laughs> like, when you're making 12s and 9s like it's nothing, that's, yeah. you know, you're on fire that point uh yeah dino was standing with me and i asked you know oh how's this game going dino and dino was just like oh uh the necrons are definitely going to win this game i was like oh fair fair and then uh, i turned around came back and then for the charge phase and uh dino was like i don't think the necrons are going to win now <laughs> um that's so... funny because i think necrons are actually quite good against empress children because... yeah i think so too I had. Especially Dick's build um, with a lot of little obsec units mm-hmm. is exactly just feed them in, feed them in. 
Um, so yeah, but yeah. D- uh, Dick was unable to play the game after his whole army got charged on those long yeah. charges. I mean, once Ebenon gets in, right? It's just yeah. I mean, the Terminators oh. charge from one flank over to the other flank, like across the board. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing you could do about that when you get hit on both sides when you weren't expecting it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well played, Alexandra, and he goes through to the semifinals. So the semifinals pa- was me paired up against Alexandra's. Oh, what I would children. say. Before mm. we go on, yes, uh, I think I remember texting you. I think it was a, it was an absolute godsend not hitting Mike Porter in the, in the round of eight as well. Oh yes. Given the fact that Mike had the drop, because I know that uh, I think you mentioned in one of our previous episodes that Harlequin matchup is not ideal by any means. No, it's really and obviously tough. Mike is a great player as well. So mm-hmm. that was a, a bullet dodge. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I did. I mean, I, that would have been a super tight game, like a really yep. down to the edge kind of wire would kind have been of game. A great game to watch. Yeah, and they wanted to put us on stream as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it is what it is. And you know, well done to Mike for going undefeated. Anyway, Definitely. Um, so I was paired up against Alexandra, and Nassim was paired up against uh, Lucas's Tyranids. So, mm. uh, Nassim is uh, a brilliant player. Like, I think Dave knows him very, very well. Uh, And I think he's like one of the him and Dave, in my opinion, are the upcoming people like in our generation of 40K players. I think Dave has established himself now, but Nassim is one of those names, which I think he's inevitably going to start winning huge events here because for sure. And I've always said this as well. And and Vic knows this in our private chats and stuff like that. I've always said Nassim's a great player. Yeah, just needs a better army because we've played maybe 40 or literally 40 or 50 games guys Mm. like (laughs) during COVID on DTS, you know, and uh, Um, yeah, watching Nassim play, he's very consistent and he's very logical in his thought processes and sequencing of his moves. Uh, And he's also very fair play. He's very, very clean player. Um, So he was paired up against Lucas, who's also a brilliant player, as we saw from the previous round. Now, Nassim has an advantage here because Nassim has set up his list to deal with Necrons and Tyranids. He's got multiple little units of crisis suits with double burst cannons. And essentially, you can deep strike one and give them full hits and rerolls, full rerolls to hit and wound with Farsight Enclave Strat for Mm -hmm. CP and for two cp and you can also kind of buff up another little unit of three and just throw them in as a sacrifice unit and the strength five on the burst cannons with very high volume of shots is very good into both necrons and tyranids so uh, nasim was well set up for this he did only take a narrow win at 72 61 but he did manage to pull through the victory there uh that one wasn't streamed and me and alexandra played longer than those two so i wasn't able to actually see the flow of the game uh but yeah i think from my recollection uh Mm. the harpies went and did some pretty big damage turn one uh but nasim was able to clean them up very easy Mm. and then uh nasim actually killed like 15 warriors two harpies on turn one i think without being too overexposed Mm -hmm. uh but the uh zone throps were a little bit difficult to chew through um, and then, but I think after the first turn, Nassim had quite a big, um, oh no. And then, uh, Lucas's, uh, Flyerant went in and killed an entire, um, eight man, uh, the big crisis suit Ooh, uh, squad, it's like four suits, four drones or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, Lucas rolled, um, three, uh, three mortal wounds on the charge, D3 extra attacks, rolls a three, exploding sixes, has like nine hits or something like that. Every single one wounded, like, which, I mean, Ouch. I mean, yeah, I wish my flower did that. Boom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so then Nassim was actually on the back foot there, but um, I think the thing about that list is that you don't, people sometimes don't realize that actually the characters are really, really powerful. Mm. And sometimes the characters do more damage than the three-man squads. 
Um, so yeah, I think Nassim just um, pulled it out after that, and actually, I think he took the was it the aerospace? Um, yes, he's been taking he that does. a lot secondary. Yes, uh, which is um, slightly impressive. I don't think I've seen anyone take that. So there you go. There's still undiscovered stuff out there. Go. <laughs> yeah, I think because uh, our other main Tau player in the UK is Carl Grundy. And he plays R and D. He sets up for R and D while yeah. Nasim is setting up for aerospace. I think aerospace is better actually because um, if you go second, aerospace you can do it with every single unit in your. You can do it with multiple units, so you can do it. Uh, you know, your units are super fast too, mm-hmm. so you can actually do it three times in one turn at the mm-hmm. end of the game, which is like a lot of points. Correct. Um, yes, which is interesting. Uh, and but it, anyway, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, let's go into my game with Alex. Let's go into your game. So this yeah. game was always on stream. You guys, you can check it out. Um, uh, it's just on the Facebook uh, London Grand Tournament game, but this is essentially the mirror matchup. Fair to say, I think there's a little bit of difference. Vic's got a bit more shooting, mm-hmm. um, and he's got most importantly uh, a second psyker, which mm-hmm. means that you can take mental interrogation, correct? Yeah, uh, which is a big bonus in the mirror, yeah, especially because the mirror suffers a lot in secondaries. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Alex has uh, the Disco Lord, so he's got another. What I thought from an outsider's perspective, he's got another big melee threat. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Flames are also quite good in that, as we will uh, come to find out as well. But yeah, what were your thoughts going into the game, Vic? So just on a list perspective, I mean, it's identical list, but like you said, I can take mental interrogation while Alexandra can only take assassinate. He has yep. no other choice. Of You've got an advantage game. in the list, do you think, right? Immediately, I'm on a passive game, I'm 15 points up. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it, that that's a tough one for him because mm-hmm. if I go second in this game, and he has to play for 12 primary on a few of the um, turns, mm-hmm. uh, meaning he has to go into the middle first, uh, it's impossible. He, he's, he, he's never winning that game going second with my secondary advantage. Uh, he's never winning that game going first with my secondary advantage. But fortunately for him, I ended up going first here. Uh, now, that's not an auto loss for me here because I have the advantage on the secondaries. Um, so I did a little bit of maths in my head and I essentially set up um, my Terminators in the middle. I managed to get every single buff off. So that confirmed my decision that I'm going to go into the middle of the board here. Yep. Um, and I funneled the Terminators in between the two ruins in the middle mm-hmm. so that I knew if he tried to fight me face first, he would only be able to fight with six Terminators probably at most. Yeah. Um, and uh, may- he'd be able to get Abaddon in the side as well with that. With that, I was expecting to lose four or five Terminators because actually other Terminators don't do very much to your Terminators. Yeah, they kind of just start standing there swinging. Really yeah, hard, they? exactly. Abaddon, sure, he can do some, but you know he's not uh, like absolutely super powered at this stage of the game. And if he goes for full rerolls to hit on Abaddon, he's not got full rerolls on the Terminators. So something's going to mess up here if he's only hitting on fours. Exactly, right? If his Abaddon only hits on fours and has no rerolls to hit, then the chances are that he converts after that is maybe four attacks you save. Uh, I don't know. Maybe absolutely. you save one or two in some models. Yeah, and strength five means, you know, he's... Uh, well, no, I mean, he's minus one to wound, so he's only wounded yeah. on threes here. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's a five up feel no pain on the three damage hits as well. So it's very likely that it takes two Abaddon wounds going through the invuln for him to actually even kill a single Terminator. So uh, it's he, he doesn't, Abaddon doesn't kill many fully buffed Terminators. Um, but, uh, you know, and then I just positioned little things here and there. I made a nice play um, where I set up my cultists 
on uh, behind a piece of terrain, really on the edge of my deployment zone. And there's an objective just outside it. And I just dipped a cultist outside. And there's a one CP stratagem called Tide of Traitors, which can be used in the command phase. If I'm within six inches of my deployment zone with a unit of cultists, I can bring back D3 plus three cultists. Nice. So that maintains primary for me, um, which was which was really tasty. So uh, I essentially set up so that I can try and get 12 primary on turn one, you know, right. t- on my turn two. Unfortunately for me, Alexandra, like, and I, and I was kind of happy. I was thinking, okay, Alexandra, he's not going around the edges. He's going for this termy block in the middle. Mm. Uh, and he sets up all of his Blastmasters, everything to go for this termi block. I put, I had a couple of termies on cover. He shoots all of his Blastmasters into them. He kills zero with the shooting. Yep. So immediately I'm like, okay, he's going in now and he's going to be stuck in the middle and I'm going to keep the objective in the middle because mm. he's not going to yep. get enough, enough models on there. And uh, it's game over at this point. Uh, unfortunately, when he went in, um, he rolled his chain fist, you know, seven attacks, seven four ups. Uh, rolling to wound on fours, seven fours. Yep. Um, uh, I rolled my saves, six fails. Yeah, uh, I, I rolled, remember watching that. I yep. rolled my feel no pains. I fail almost every single one. Um, and then I ended up by the end of that, after failing morale as well, losing eight out of my ten terminators rather than the yep. four I had predicted. Um, so that's rough. That's rough. I remember, and I remember you actually saying on the stream at the time, "Yeah, that might be game." Yeah, because I mean, when you lose that much, right, and your opponent has what their whole Terminator brick just sitting right in front of you, and they're abandoned <laughs> on the same number of wounds as you're abandoned, it's just like you're just like, am I just down eight Terminators yeah. now? Like, so the the tides got turned there because now he was doing my game plan, which was he's going to be in the middle getting twelve mm-hmm. primary. But he had bottom of turn as well. And he had bottom of turn, so he's going to get the 12 at the end. So already I'm like, right, I I can't actually displace him from this. Mm. Um, But uh, he uh, he did something weird. He Mm. tagged Abaddon here. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, he didn't tag Abaddon. No, 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 he didn't tag Abaddon. So uh, what happened was in my next turn, my two Terminators, I thought, right, okay, he's in position now. Uh, I can get Abaddon in. I can shoot uh, all of his noise marines and everything around the edges. Mm-hmm. So maybe I can actually like outkill him here. Um, and I can get access to uh, his Abaddon as well to put some damage in, uh, mm-hmm. in two phases, maybe even three. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what happened was I started... You fell back with your Terminators. I right? fell back with my Terminators and uh, I looked over to CP and as I moved them back, he said, okay, I'm going to do the three-inch follow you in. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it three or six inches? It's three inches. It's just oh, okay. three inches. So my Terminators mm-hmm. were out, outside the range of this, but my Abaddon was right there. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, like... Uh, I, oh, and, yeah. And then, then he gets to activate first, right? Because um, uh, he fights first. Uh, no, we both uh, we both fight first, so I would still get to fight first. But but the point was that um, I then couldn't really shoot anything, and his Abaddon was screened and everything like that. So, oh yeah. Uh, so I, I tried to like catch him and was like, oh, yeah. oh Alex, wait, can I can I just move my Abaddon first? And, yeah. and Alex but, was like, no, no, I need I need to do this. And which is completely fair, right? Because you choice. you only noticed after 
after like yeah, you started picking up his model that exactly, you could hit the yeah. exactly and well uh, yeah as he said the strategy he'd, he'd committed to it and i had committed to my fallback so i said cool alex you know let's play it out let's carry on uh but i said mm, that's this is really bad now <laughs> uh, so my abaddon's in combat i can't interact with his abaddon and i can't interact with his terminators in the shooting phase um and i can't move importantly i can't move my abaddon around to engage his abaddon um so my a plan of killing Abaddon on this turn is gone. All right, everyone, we're back. Sorry, we had a little technical glitch. Vic's going to get on back with the game. Vic, you just, uh, his Terminator just consolidated back into you. Uh, what's, give us the cap, recap from the top. Yep. Absolutely. So he's got me. He's got me in combat with Abaddon. I, I can't. I can't really uh, one tap his Abaddon anymore. I can only get a little bit of damage in from the sides. But um, and my Abaddon's stuck in combat. My Terminators have fallen back. Now the aim is to try and clear as many of the noise marines around the side as possible and try and take some pressure off me. He had moved forward with everything, so he's making that little creeping advance you'll often see Emperor's children do. Uh, but that did leave a lot of units exposed. So I decided to keep my whole army in cover and just tuck out all the Blastmasters, just tuck onto the objectives and shoot away and see how many noise marines I can kill, which was uh, not great, to be honest. I didn't manage to do enough damage. And they are was... hard to kill as well, right? You know, you kind of killed two, you killed three, and you're like, oh, great. Absolutely. But, you know, once they dip into half range of the Blastmasters on the wide profile, it's all two damage attacks of strength fives, wounding on threes. Yeah. The Venom Crawlers are all strength six, two damage attacks. So yeah. realistically, you expect to probably kill, you know, one and a half, maybe two squads. Uh, I didn't even manage to kill a squad. So uh, Alexander was still left with a lot of momentum there. Um, but I did whittle down lots of squads. So he was left with like two models and multiple squads. And, uh, you know, I managed to kill a chunk of cultists and stuff like that. In combat, Abaddon killed four, three of the Terminators, three of the Terminators. They were fully buffed uh, and was stuck in combat. He managed to put three wounds into my Abaddon, taking me down to six. And I managed to get some shooting sideways into his Abaddon to take him down to six as well. So, uh, so yeah, we were at this point and it was his turn. Now he's got all the momentum. This is, this is his killing blow turn if he wanted it. I was very lucky that he uh, made a, a rare mistake. The only mistake realistically in the game he made this turn, which was to not fall his Terminators back from my Abaddon. If he had done that, he would have been able to uh, kill Abaddon. Only on six wounds, he could shoot me and then punch me and I'm done, dead. And uh, there's no way of coming back from that. He can reestablish screens on his Abaddon. He just needs to run away from me quite far away. Uh, and he just gets Abaddon back behind the Terminator, shoots me, punches me, and game over. <laughs> so he uh, instead decided to stay in combat here. Um, so uh, he can't shoot Abaddon. So my Abaddon is not dying here. He threw his Abaddon into my three Terminators to finish them off. And then he tried to shoot me. My whole army is in cover here, so he didn't do much damage at all with the shooting. Uh, and I still had exactly all five of my Noise Marine units alive at the end of this. Uh, nice. He punched Abaddon down to three wounds. And I, um, at this point, yeah. So at this point, he has zero buffs on his Terminators. And uh, my Abaddon is going in with full rerolls, hit wounds, slash strat, everything, and does nine wounds and also 43 mortal wounds here. Um, yeah. He rolls a save and he starts rolling feel no pains and he just rolls all five of us and feel no pains. Just crazy. That's, That's just crazy. Tournament, it just kept going. And <laughs> um, 
uh, when the dust settled after the mortal wounds, he had one wound left on one Terminator, which is yep, the worst possible outcome going into my turn. Um, because because it, sneak peek, guys, that one Terminator turned into about three Terminators yeah, because it, of the resurrecting. It, it did, and I'm I'm not falling back from combat. Like if my yep. ter- if the, if Abaddon is free there, he is he's going ham into yep. into Alexander's army, but I'm stuck. Uh, so yeah, that 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 was that was that really. So um, then that was kind uh, of the fa- final nail in the coffin to, for him to then go on and uh, pick up the rest of your army and really score the assassination points that he needed, right? It. Because he actually that's had it. he had quite a lot of pressure on your top field objective that was slowly mounting, which yep. kind of meant that you needed to draw one of your big characters out there. And actually, Alex had slow rolled the Disco Lord throughout more more or less the entire game, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. So he would saved it, and he did that against me as well. Saved it for like turn three, four, and five where the damage potential wasn't really there to go pick it up. And it just, it was kind of going to take over the rest of the game, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the Disco Lord did a similar, to be fair, it didn't do significantly more damage than my um, Demon Prince. The Demon Prince would have done the same role in that situation, which is just kill a Noise Marine squad that was being used to screen him. And essentially, uh, the last of my resources was to reduce his primary and just block his Disco Lord from actually getting anywhere substantial. Yeah, which Uh, you did a good job. I saw you you move block it a couple of turns. Yeah, I did. So by the end of the game, the Disco Lord was still just in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. But the uh, three Terminators went character hunting and managed to kill uh, two characters for his assassinate. So, yeah, he rolled a six uh, on that melter. Straight yeah, up. Boom, he rolled a six, six on that melter. He, he, he even managed to charge the last character, but wasn't able to kill him with the three Terminators. So yeah. uh, those three Terminators basically got three character kills that he would have otherwise not been able to do. Um, yep. So yeah, it, it was it. And Alexander, you know, apart from the one mistake, he played an extremely tight and meticulous game, capitalized on the fact that he went second and managed to take the victory with uh, like a 15 point win, something like that. So it all added up correctly, really. He overcame yeah. my secondary advantage and went into the finals against Nassim. Yeah, and the final game against Nassim, you guys can obviously check it out on the London Grand Tournament Facebook page. A uh, really interesting final game, Nassim obviously with Tao. Uh, playing on Dawn of War with the three middles and the objective. Uh, I believe off the top of my head, um, Nassim went second. And mm-hmm. um, right. Alex only picked up one of the Sunshark Bombers. Uh, I think he left one on little to no wounds, but then you can top bracket it to move its full distance if you're tower as well, which I thought was surprising. I would have thought he had killed both, but um, maybe he just oh, got he, a bit unlucky. He probably should have. I mean, it's a big advantage to go first in that matchup. So yeah. like against me, he needed to go second. He got in against Nassim. He needed to go first and really get the momentum there. So he managed For to sure. drop a full Sunshark Bomber and yeah. get the buffs on his units. That's the key thing. Ah, the buffs on the units is the key part. It's yeah, huge. Yeah. It's huge uh, because yeah. that means that he can approach into the middle buffed and it's, it's really nice, you know. Yeah. Um, um, and then it was interesting though because Nassim made a really like few technical, very technically good plays, and managed to catch uh, Alex, uh, who had deployed his Master of Possession exposed at the back of his board, and the Sunshark Bomb was able to fly behind the Master of Possession and get direct targeting on him, uh, and just able to kill the Master of Possession on turn two, which is huge swing. Is that uh, no, I'm sorry, turn one. It's it's a huge swing because that means that then his Terminators can die on a slow game from there. So the muscle uh, position, just to recap, gives you access to what on the Terminators? Five up, feel no pain, uh, right, plus yeah. one toughness, mm. uh, which is huge. Oh my God, being a T4 in this matchup, he has burst cannons and plasma yeah, rifles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, and also the re- regen a model. So yeah, exactly, it's a triple yeah. cast. 
um, which is huge. So that's that's a that's a great uh, one to pick up for Nassim on his turn one on Nasser's turn yeah. one. Uh, yeah, and, and that then, kind of I think a lot of people thought the momentum was definitely in Nassim's um, way on after that. Um, and Nassim had even picked off a couple of small units. Um, I think possessed on the near the left hand side of the board ruin, mm-hmm. um, and because you know at the end of the day, I think Alex has to come out a little bit. But he mm-hmm. left. I think he maybe committed one too many units, or actually going for that objective might have just been a little bit overcommittal um, when you can't tuck in your whole unit into that ruin. Uh, and then, kind of what happened from my point of view with the game is that um, this, uh, Alex put you know tried to make a um, try to get his disco lord into combat. Uh, or effectively, of course, he had the big Terminator brick and abandoned in the middle. Um, but Nassim was actually darting all the way around the board and mm-hmm. avoiding the Terminator brick for the longest time, which is, I think, probably the correct way to play it. He definitely analyzed that one well. Um, but Alex had a little bit of side pressure with his possessed on the uh, opposite side of the board to where Nassim's primary army was. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely, it looked like a relatively even game. But um, I think after Nassim's turn two, everyone sort of thought, oh, okay, this is going to be a bit of a tower stopping, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Nassim looked like he was uh, way ahead there because uh, Alex was essentially set up in a position where he's not really doing much. Um, no. He's got a lot uh, of points sitting in the middle of the board. Yeah, absolutely. With no got... clear way on how to get them into... Lots Nassim's of points. Really. Can't engage. Nassim's going to be going into Kaoyan shortly for the exploding sixes. Uh, and Alex decided to actually commit and try and make a long bomb nine-inch charge over with mm-hmm. his Disco Lord into some suits. And he hit the nine-inch charge. And that, yeah, I, I think... That alone just swung the momentum there. That was a yeah. full unit of suits that was going to shoot next turn uninhibited. Um, and then Nassim like, had to start making more desperate plays. He tried to one-tap Abaddon, left him with one wound, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, and then from there, it was a steamroll. As soon, as soon as Abaddon didn't die, the Disco Lord got the momentum. Uh, Alex just went straight through Nassim's army because there's not much in a Tau army nowadays. It does a lot of no, damage, but once you if get through all the units, it's, it's just a few characters after that. Yeah. And uh, if if the everything dies and you're left with characters a couple of turns too early, it's really hard to dig yourself out of that. Yeah, precisely. So congratulations to Alex. You know, the French have won the London Grand Tournament. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and obviously congratulations to everyone that made the top eight. Um, yeah. you know, well fantastic done to players. Exactly. Yeah, well done to Nassim. And I think a great representation of our community here in the UK and in Europe both on the sportsmanship side of things and on the um, player skill side of things as well. You know, a lot of uh, great players in there. And just all around, zero drama, lots of, um, you know, gentlemanly play and stuff like that. That's what you want to see at the upper, most highest echelons of competitive play. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I, I'm very happy to have lost to Alex and very happy that he won the London Grand Tournament traveling all the way from France. So, Alex, if you're listening to this podcast, you are an absolute legend and good job for smashing it. Smashed um, it. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I we're going to discuss it a little bit more in the next part, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to to ask you, you know, how you felt about the whole event and and what your thoughts are uh, now that it's over. Yeah, so yeah, obviously it's disappointing. Like um, I think in the previous episode, I talked about you know wanting to win the ITC, and this would have been a, I think if I did very well in this tournament, uh, would have put me in a very solid position to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think looking back on it, you know, you can't be can't be too disappointed because a couple of things that I realized over a short amount of time of playing this game, but more or less on the long time of playing uh, games like Magic and whatnot, is that you can actually, you can play a perfect game and you can still lose. And and if you play a perfect game and you still lose, then, you know, you got nothing to be worried about, right? 
It wasn't your tournament to win. And you need to, at the end of the day, you need to be, you need to have a good run to win a, a mega deep tournament like this. And that's just, that's just, you need to have the little things going away and whatnot like that. And, you know, that simply just wasn't the case for me. I, you know, on the, you know, Alex and I both know that if that, if, if my flyer goes in and goes there, then, you know, it's, it's basically a clean house for me after that um, pretty straightforward game. Um, and, you know, he was, you know, uh, he's a great person to play against. So it, it's perfectly fine losing to someone like that. And, yeah, it didn't. Um, I, I think I'm over it now. <laughs> I've, had my, uh, I've had my solace, my couple of whiskeys. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean, great time overall. Like, it was great to connect with so many people that listen to the podcast again and see all the feedback. So it was a great time overall. How about yourself? Yeah, really good. I mean, I, I played a lot of games. I played 11 games, games in total over those uh, four days. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a good test of stamina for me and mental strength and, and physically as well. And actually, I made it through all the way to the end, still feeling relatively fresh. I had my ups and downs in terms of fitness by the last game of each day. But yeah. generally, I was perfectly fine. And uh, it kind of feels like a little bit of an achievement to even play that many games. Uh, for sure. But on top a of that, marathon of 40k. Yeah, I managed to win the invitation, which was a big achievement for me, but also get third place in the main event, which is uh, really nice. Huge. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that puts me at rank one in the ITC global rankings for now, you uh, until you you hunt me down over the next few events. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. And uh, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up our discussion on the London Grand Tournament. And we'll catch you guys in part three. And that concludes part two. We hope you're enjoying the fireside and we'll see you momentarily for part three. Alrighty everyone, welcome back to part three. We're going to be talking about uh, what our aims were kind of after the Grand Tournament, London Grand Tournament. We're talking about the balanced data slate in relation to the meta at London. And then we're also going to be talking about Leagues of OTAN buffs really quick. So I think uh, I'll let you crack on first. What's your mindset for competitive 40k after the London Grand Tournament? Obviously coming off a huge high. Uh, yeah, it's a huge event. It feels like I've just ran a marathon and, uh, you know, I've got that little buzz. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, life is busy as well, moving house. So I can't uh, do too much 40k going forward for a little bit. But I'm definitely going to try and attend just at least just the big events um, coming up. So we've got one each month for the next three months. Uh, we've got Coventry, which is a three day super major in mm-hmm. November, uh, I think. Yes, yep, that's November, right. yeah. November, and then fourth and fifth and sixth, I think. December, we've got Leicester, and mm-hmm. then in January, we've got Nottingham. So, yep. and then uh, we've got LVO in February. Perfect. So we've got four super majors over four months, and uh, that's my plan. Are you going to be going to all of those, Dave? Going to be going to all of those, mate. There you go. I'm, I'm going to get back my rank one spot somehow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but interestingly for me, I had a little look at the faction scoring, and uh, I'm quite, uh, I'm doing quite well in both the Chaos Space Marine and the Eldar faction <laughs> rankings for the season. So uh, I might just try and kind of alternate between those two factions for the upcoming tournaments, unless something really crazy happens to the balanced data slate, but uh, and see if I can maybe nick the the first place in those by the end of the season. Uh, and that just gives you something to aim for, really. It doesn't mean too much, but it's kind of cool, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. And uh, for myself, yeah, like I said, I'm going to be attending all those events. Um, my life is going to be very busy coming in November as well. My parents are staying with me here for five weeks, so I'm not sure how much practice I'm going to be getting in, considering there will be a balanced data slate on top of that as well. So, uh, you know, hopefully it will go well. 
But uh, I think, look, like I've always said as well, is that practice makes perfect. So in this game where you've got to understand all the changes and everything like that, having those reps in it are a huge benefit at the end of the day as well. Um, yeah, so that'll be it for me. Vic, what were your thoughts on the meta after the Grand Tournament then? What, what, two takeaways. You've only got two. two I've only got two takeaways. So two takeaways. Okay, so my first takeaway, if I've only got two, is going to be that I think necrons are much better in america than they are in the uk exactly, <laughs> in singles yeah. events yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely the same thing one? i was thinking <laughs> and uh we can i'll let you expand on that one then and mm -hmm. i'm going to do my my second takeaway which is i think the statistics on chaos space marines are potentially a little bit deceiving um week on week both their win rate and the number of players have been increasing um, the number of tournaments won by creations of bile is now putting them at kind of a top tier level but at the mm -hmm. same time, their win rate is very close to the 50% mark. And the top eight in LGT was the only event which where Chaos Space Marines were highly represented in the top four in this weekend, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is really weird when you see the power levels of both Creations of Bile and particularly Emperor's Children played correctly. Um, mm -hmm. And I think Dave has now been exposed to it quite critically because he's not only seen me play, but now he's seen Alexandra play it as well. And very, very similar lists. I'm sure that list is going to be copied quite a bit. And it's going to be very interesting to see if that has a significant effect on the win rate of Chaos Space Marines going forward. Um, so I, it's a hard one because at the moment, Emperor's Children sit at about a 45% win rate. Creations of Bile sit at a very high kind of 56% win rate. Mm -hmm. um, and the rest of the Chaos Space Marine factions are all just very mediocre. And the, uh, the faction uh, army as a whole sits at about 50% uh, with a high player number. Uh, but they do sit, even with the statistics now, about kind of fifth or sixth place in terms of power level of armies. But I don't know, Dave, do you think that that's going to potentially change a bit going forward? Uh, yeah, well, well, like, I, like we have always pitched this podcast, this is a UK-focused, UKTC-focused podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that you're bang on in that Necrons are not as strong on UKTC um, mm. because there are there's a lot, little bit more exposure and um, you kind of need to commit into the middle a little bit more as well. And um, I think there were, you know, there were a couple of good Necron players there at the tournament for sure. Dick um, did a very uh, deep run as well. Um, however, I think, that, yeah, the takeaway is, you know, actually, I think, I think Cal Space Marines are actually can be quite good into Necrons because the creations of Bile list because you're such a naturally aggressive list and you fight on death as well. So you double trade up into Necrons. I think that pairing happened quite a bit throughout the meta. It did. Alex Harrison lost actually to creations of Bile in the yep. final 16. So exactly I right. that game. And uh, yep. yeah, Lewis Fitzsimmons went straight through the Necrons. Got Absolutely through them. And um, yeah, and I think, you know, I, you, you can't... Yeah, I mean, obviously Chaos Space Marines are just... Um, it's a debut event for them, I would say, really, in so many ways. It's a breakout event. Um, I think they're incredibly strong. I think that you could easily argue that Cal Space Marines on UKTC are up there with the best army in the game, probably. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, pipping Turinids, maybe. But I think their matchup into Turinids is slightly worse, which might be their slight downfall. But I think, you know, they're just, they are, they're, they're a complete A-class S-tier army. Um, and I think if we're now talking about armies that need to probably get toned down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Cal Space Marines, I think, is definitely have to be on there. Yeah, it's it's an interesting <laughs> one, isn't it? Because, like, for example, I, and I, I see a lot of similarities between the list I was playing and the list Nassim was playing. 
Um, because when you look at both lists on paper, it, it really looks like there's not very much in the list. Hmm. Um, but if you get the order of operations correct, the level of synergy uh, of the list just throws the damage output all through the, the roof, tricks yeah. through the roof. Yeah. So, Blastmasters hitting on threes it, when it, no matter what, with exploding sixes basically means they hit on twos. Absolutely, it and yeah, pretty good. Obviously, when you look at individual rules, they all sound really strong, and when they come together, they do feel really strong to play with as well. But like, I, I posted on a few discords, and you know, I was just trying to get people's thoughts and feedbacks. And most people said, yes, I think uh, especially Emperor's Children are going to become much more popular following this event. But most people's takes are that they're going to become more popular. People are going to try them, fail to use them correctly, and then stop playing them. I don't know how much that will be true. But I think, <laughs> if, I think especially if top players jump onto it, like players with good fundamental game knowledge who can leverage the strength of an army like this, um, I, I think they are very good it albeit maybe a little bit less forgiving than most of the top tier armies Let, uh, maybe not just, maybe not oh, here we go oh let's go, oh, let's go oh, spice now all right guys uh, i'm gonna do a little bit of number here yeah um i think this army is extremely forgiving actually mm. um your terminator brick is extremely tanky you have fight on the you have you have okay this is why i think the army is strong and this is why i've always thought is that the six inch movement strap combined with the six inch uh, charge strat for two CP to get a 12 inch consistent movement boost is too strong. Mm. And the reason I think that's too strong is because you're taking a unit that normally moves five and adding a flat six, 100% guaranteed for one CP. That's, that's far too good. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, you can create an auto like nine inch, you know, you can make, you can create a 22 inch threat range reasonably consistently for a unit that would typically move five, not even be able to advance and charge. They can advance and charge. These, these, the Terminator Brick is extremely similar to Tyranid Warriors. And the reason this is because they're effectively transhuman because they're T5 minus one to wound. In fact, T5 minus one to wound is actually better than transhuman a lot of the time. Obviously, mm -hmm. you have to cast plus one toughness, but that's beside the point. They're infinitely more tankier because they can get a effective zero up in cover, which is the way Tyranid Warriors typically die. They don't do as much in melee, for sure. Their shooting is kind of comparable to Tyranid Warriors, but mm -hmm. the fact that the, the main difference maker is that they are extremely fast. And they're faster than Tyranid Warriors, regardless of what anyone wants to think, because yeah. you can move 11 inches for one CP. Now... When, I, when it comes to this army, what I would like to see, um, and, I, and I want to see some turn and nerfs as well, what I would want to see for this army is I want to see that strat, the six-inch movement strat, become one CP for a five-man squad, two CP for over five whenever you use it. So you've got to pay four CP if you want to you do that combo in one on a 10-man Terminator brick. Mm -hmm. Then I also I want to see Abaddon. I think it's pretty clear that Abaddon needs to go up in some points. I think mm -hmm. every single game I watched of Chaos Space Marines all centered around Abaddon. Now he's 300 points and he can quite literally win games by himself. Like he doesn't obviously win you the game by scoring and everything like that, but your opponent has to respect the hell out of Abaddon, right? You, yeah. you can't just go around and ignore him. So I think those two, those two parts, the army are the parts that just feel really oppressive because a, a unit that's so tanky and has such great output being so fast is just really bizarre. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, what do you think about the noise Marines? Cause they're, in my opinion, they're the unit which stitches everything together yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, noise moons are extremely good. But I think, look, uh, but genuinely, I think if you if you nerfed the strat 
to the, t- the, mm-hmm. in the movement strat, and then you nerfed Abaddon, like maybe you made him plus 50 points, I think that would be enough to bring the army in line a little bit more. Like, I, I wouldn't personally, if I was balancing, I wouldn't go too heavy on it. Because so, I, I, I don't want to do um, balances that way, personally. My other point would be that it's a, it's a tough one because the win rates are, are very unlikely. Yeah, but win rates are regardless. It. Win rates right. are regardless. We all know this. But you know, how it performs at the top level is really what matters, right? Let's talk about Tyranids, for example. Sure. I have played a lot of tournaments since Tyranids came out. And since the ninth edition Codex has come out, I have not lost a single game against Tyranids except against you. Right. And like, I'd say there's a lot of similarities between Tyranids and Emperor's Children, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a lot for the general consensus to be that Emperor's Children are anywhere near the level of Tyranids, even after this tournament result. I don't I know. I completely agree. No, I completely agree. Like 100%. Because, and this is the kind of the point of the podcast as well, of mm-hmm. course, is what Vic and I experience. And Vic and I know that Emperor's Children are on the same power level. Like, you wouldn't have disagreed yep. with that, right? Uh, it's, now, it's true. now I, I've struggled to believe it myself for a long, long time. It's only yeah. just kind of clicking that, okay, this is very strong, especially on UKT, UKTC terrain. Right, precisely, yeah. And so that's that's the difference, mate, guys. And, and you know, it's you know, you've got to be a good pilot at the end of the day as well, right? Like, you know, we had Lucas piling turn as zero as well. Um, you know, potentially if my flyer and end of whiffed, I would have been up in there maybe as well. But Turnids wouldn't have even, if I was in the top eight, wouldn't have even been in the same you was, would have still had twice as many Chaos Space Marines in the top eight. Which, oh, yeah. you know, on an 800-player tournament, it's kind of averaging out, right? You know? Yeah, it's quite that's, amazing. That's two really goes to show the power level. Emperor's children. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, how, would I, you, how would you nerf them? What are, your, what are your thoughts on where it needs to be? What's the most, like, oppressive part to you? It's really tough because... The game plan seems very similar in, like, almost every game, right? Like, the uh, Terminator's but, moving seems... You know, uh, Lewis lost a game because he followed that game plan against the Tyranids. If he had done a different game plan, he would have been fine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's a tricky one. I think you can't go t- too hard in on general things. And it's going to be very difficult for GW to do a targeted nerf on Emperor's Children here. I think the only easy point of correction is potentially the points cost on Abaddon to make him a little bit more significant because 300 is quite quite generous yep. um, but then armies often do have a like a faction defining generous unit you know um, but yeah I think if you were going to correct Chaos Space Marines it would probably be like 50 to 75 points on Abaddon which would probably be enough I think mm-hmm. um, and then yeah maybe you could do a target enough on Honor the Prince but that's that's such like uh, it's a lot of nuanced knowledge you need to make it's, that decision. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge amount of knowledge to target yeah. that one out. So, in other maybe... words, do you think? Do you think like, between us, though, do you think that that would be a appropriate nerf? One to two CP change on that. So that's a target nerf on the Terminator brick, right? Yeah, um, yeah, sure. It's a tr- because they already nerfed the strat. The strat was better before. It's, <laughs> it's become worse. Because okay, regardless, the... regardless of that, though, I'm putting you on. I'm putting you on the spot. One, making it one to two CP. I'm just going to put it out there. Remember mm. what happened to Encircle the Prey. I'm not mm. saying it's on the same level as Encircle the Prey, but yeah. let's let's record what happened to that because I genuinely think that this strat is on the same power level as Encircle the Prey. Probably just a little bit below it, me personally, oh. because it makes a unit that would otherwise be slow and easy to outplay. Yeah. extremely versatile and fast yeah i know what i mean paying saying. two cp for a unit to overcome its biggest weakness mm-hmm. is insane right that's like 
<laughs> you do it every time. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. It, the problem is they've put so many little kind of restrictions and nerfs on everything. Like, for example, the Terminus can't take an icon. The honor the prince is after you do the role, as before you do the role. Yeah. Um, they've kind of limited things based on core and marks, so the possessed on you know on core haven't got uh, icons, and it, it looks like they've put all the balancing factors in already. I I think the honor the prince correction is probably the incorrect correction. Mm -hmm. There, I think that again is very emperor's children defined. It's been like that for years and years and years. Well, that well, is there. Let me, I'll, I'll, I'll correct. I would also do creation of Baal specific targeted nerfs. Don't get me yeah. wrong on that one. So, you know, I would target one at EC and one at creations of Baal. Or would you just put simply put the points up on Terminator so you've got a lot less stuff to play with around the outside? Uh, what would you change on the Terminators? Oh my gosh, it's so tough, Dave. It's I mean, so it's tough, tough, right? But like the thing is, it's easy when you say, oh, Tyranids should be nerfed. Yeah, it's so easy it, right? to nerf Tyranids. Well, like... Course, right? That's the tough part. It's, but we, we know that it's on the same power level, right? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see an adjustment in the profile on the Blastmaster. I think mm -hmm. that's, in my opinion, and I'm playing as the Emperor's Children player, that's the most out of the ordinary kind of weapon. What about three shots? Weapon. Three shots down to two. I think just make the gun 30 inches. Something ah, like that. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, why is it 48 inches? It's, it's so it, rough. It's yeah. unnecessary to be 48. Um, on, a, on, a little, on a little 20, 32 millimeter base guy, right? Yeah, that's pretty, it's, that's it's really weird. So, yeah, I mean, if I was going to do anything to Empress, I'd I, I, they need the flavor because they have the world's worst secondary. They're all <laughs> well, the, just like combat orientated. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree with you, but that's something that we've talked about previously as well, is that we would like to see codex secondaries for armies that have don't basically have a codex secondary mm. be playable so mm. nerf parts of the army but increase the secondary because that increases the fluff and the fun yeah, but you like, know i think between i think the underlying thing the, the between the lines is what vic and i haven't said here is that we don't think gw will nerf empress children and that's yeah. just a reality because I the balance data set is going to come out quick and it's under the radar and if if i tell you what if tyrannids <laughs> get nerfed if quins get nerfed necrons get nerfed and Empress children don't get touched, it's going to be, they're going to be a pretty big cut above the rest of the field, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially yeah. if Turners get nerfed, because their biggest predator gets nerfed, and then Necron's secondaries get nerfed, then it's like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah interesting yeah, time. Sure. I mean, I think Creations of Bile are on the radar, so deeply on the radar, with very high win rate, winning loads yep. of events, and it's extremely unfun to play against them if you're using a melee army what's the gw balance guy's name is it mike mike something uh, if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> make sure you think about empress children <laughs> don't forget about empress children absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. uh yeah i i would love to see them catch that in hindsight um and not make them too overpowered but uh you know empress children on games workshop terrain are a tenth of the power of them on uktc terrain you think so Oh, 100%. They, are, they can't play on GW terrain anywhere near as well, unless yeah. you play a completely different style of army. And at that point, you're playing just as a normal Chaos Space Marine player. On UKTC, yep. it's, they're absolutely premium because of yeah. the firing. Everything adds up. Yeah, it's true. The firing is a huge component of it, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we thought about. Like the, I, I guess you know we've talked previously about Turner's getting nerfed. Mm -hmm. Necron's leaving the nerf, and we've kind of spoken to areas of that. Quinn's getting a little bit of a nerf. 
Mm-hmm. Let's jump on to Alexa Votan, who have also just got a nerf. <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, this guys, this like what I would want to say is if you're one of the people that spoke up about this, you were someone that tried to evangelize balance in the game and this being a bad thing for the game, congratulations, because I think together as a community, we really came together and said that this was something that we didn't want to see in the game. And you know what? Props to Games Workshop for listening and having a direct impact on the game before it came to release, before the uh, kind of ensuing iceberg hit the Titanic. We've dodged it. We've done it. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and so let's let's jump through some of the nerfs. I haven't got them up, but we, well, we I've roughly got them. know what they are. I've you got, got them. them. So, so let's go. Uh, run through um, it. I mean, I'll just like hit them, hit the main points, but pretty run much they, they got a kind of 20% increase across the board, uh, which is huge, huge increases. Yeah. The main ones is the Land Fortress went up by 70 points base, so it's 320 points with the four mm-hmm. ion beams and the big beam on top. Um, the uh, Berserks went up eight points each. Eight so points now, a model. Oh, so they're Oof. 30 points a model now, which is 150 points for a unit of five of them. Which yeah, is, no thanks. It's true. <laughs> I mean, but I love that because it's a shooty army that should pay a premium, pay a premium. for having kind of e- extremely effective combat elements. Yeah, I love fair. that. I, and I know that's how they balance Drakari, how much you have to pay for a Darklands to go on top yep. of their melee army. Exactly. So perfect. I think 30 points is spot on for that data sheet. Um, the one which is very intelligent, I think, was making the Hearthguard go up to 45 points each. This is the Terminator unit. You like that change. I think that is a genius change because <laughs> I think if they had gone too light on the Hearthguard, the Hearthguard yeah. were the unit that covers the biggest weakness of Votan, which is For that sure. they're a very predictable linear army. Yep. And the Hearthguard allow you to teleport into a completely different position and put out mm-hmm. a chunk of mortal wounds and output. And it's very difficult to deal with a Leagues of Votan army, which is kind of surrounding you. Yep. Um, sure. So. They've put this up so that they're 450 points for a unit of 10, um, which is extremely expensive for what they do, extremely. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a very elite niche unit that needs to be used correctly. And maybe units of 10 are not appropriate, units of eight are more appropriate, but there's a big difference in output when you're trying to do the combo of kind of fishing for mortal wounds on sixes with their bulk height by having two more hotline. And Thunderkin also went up like five points, which is kind of uh, good. Uh, that's kind of sad, actually. I think the Thunderkin yeah, well, were the worst unit in the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they were kind of like they were the clear they were the clear side grade that everyone was just going to go to if they didn't get touched. That's it. Um, uh, and then we've got Pioneers go up a little bit as well, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Pioneers got let off lightly. They're still probably the best unit in the book um, at yeah, thirty-five yeah. points a model. They're it's still very, very good. Uh, my opinion on Pioneers has changed a little bit, actually. I think, mm. uh, I think they're definitely, they've got a very big footprint, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and then we've obviously got a couple of the characters went up by like 20 points, but it, it works out roughly, guys, to be about 20% across the board, depending on your variant build. If, I mean, sometimes it was 500 points on top of 2k. Uh, like we said in episode three, though, is that um, we thought Botan was probably playing about 380 points up. I still think we said something about like that, right? It was up to like 20%. You're playing with about 2380 or 2400 mm-hmm. points. That's exactly, almost exactly how much I've hit it by. So, you know, props to GW. I think they've done a great job. Um, oh, the biggest nerve we didn't talk about was um, the grudge tokens no longer count as an auto wound to six. Oh, so if yeah. you auto wound, it no longer counts as a six, which completely annihilates the Ymir Iron Beam build. I don't think you would ever consider playing that now that that's gone. 
Oh yeah, it removes here's one of I, the strats from being effective. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a couple of hot takes on this. Mm -hmm. Here's my hot take. I don't think what they did to grudge tokens was good. And this mm -hmm. may sound weird, but I would rather have it sixes be auto wound. Um, six, auto wounds become sixes, but here's what I would do. I would make grudge tokens only activate on three and four becomes auto wound five and six. So mm -hmm. you'd have to, t you'd have, you'd only get auto wounds on three and four stacks of grudge tokens. And, oh, it, would, and it only goes five and sixes. Okay. I feel like that was a nice midpoint to keep it kind of thematic along with the other points increases, because what I actually think is actually these points increases and the auto wound gone is just way too much. I, I wouldn't even consider playing this army anymore. I think it's, it's given oh. that the secondaries aren't amazing. I think this is a B mid B tier army for sure. That's a serious hot take. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I think you might be right that I, I don't know if they're B tier uh, necessarily. I think there's C tier. Oh gosh, no, no. I meant higher than that. Rather than A tier. Than that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hold you to it. I, I think I'm going to hold them at A tier. I'm going to hold them at A tier. Right. I think they're going to be a solid army that wins a small handful of GTs. Uh, and I, I think we need to see how the lists end up, how many land fortresses go in there. Uh, yeah. I think lists are still going to be right? built. I mean... yeah, no, I don't think so. I think you have points oh. for two because you need to kind of squeeze everything in. So you're going to have to play this with a lot more skill here rather than just kind of like blowing your first opponent off the face, off the face of the board. Yeah. Um, and you need to kind of play like Tau. You kind of get similar amount of stuff to Tau, um, but Ooh. you're a little bit slower, Ooh. a little bit tankier. Yeah, so... it's, it's pretty It's pretty obvious where the differences between Botan and Tau are, isn't it, though? You know, you've got one army that's really fast, you've got one army that's The only slow. difference is, like, the Tau advantage is speed, and mm. the Votan advantage is higher damage output and higher durability. Higher damage uh, output? Mm, oh, okay. for sure. For sure. Okay. I think so. Um, I mean, the two areas that get affected by judge tokens not triggering on uh, triggering sixes to wound is the uh, one of the ion strats mm -hmm. and also um, the uh, magma rail. Uh, when it wounds on a six, it does spillover damage. Yeah. Um, but I think, A, I think that'll probably be corrected because sometimes you don't even want to have a judgment token on for the magma rail. Um, sure. yeah. And. Yeah. Also, I still think in Ymir that you put out a lot of mortal wounds with the with the land fortress with the beam build. Um, so I think the output is still extreme off the land fortresses. Uh, but do you have hmm. enough stuff in the rest of the army to support it? I'm I'm not sure. Obviously, no test games out. between us, right? Because yeah, of LGT. No. Um, yeah. So I mean, I guess you know, at the end of the day, they still do auto wound on four, five, and six, and one, two, three judgment right. tokens, right? I mean, that's still that is still really powerful. It so, just means that you can't can't just go in, lose half your army, and then blow them off with the other half. Yeah, you need to kind of play more technically, build up judgment tokens, do surgical strikes on things. Mm -hmm. you, you utilize all the tools in your army, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a brilliant place to leave a new army. Yeah. Very elite, very cool, like flavorful rules. And I think, you know, you said it's a very boring army to play. I think it might be more interesting when there's that threat of you need to play this correctly to actually do well with it. Yes, yes, I think that's uh, can be said for basically any army as well. It's, if it's not as face roll as it would normally be, yeah, that's definitely true. But you know, I think it, we're both obviously really happy with um, Botan getting nerfed. Next time you see me, I'll probably be playing Emperor's Children. Uh, and I'll probably be now. playing uh, Tyranids. You know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we could swap armies.
Yeah. <laughs> Easy. But no, I definitely want to explore Votan. I'm really happy they got a nerf. And I think a lot of people who were excited about the ner- Votan release should be happy with this nerf as well. For sure. Because it means that whether you're a casual or competitive player, you're going to just have more fun and your opponents are going to have more fun as well. Um, exactly. So props to the entire community for getting behind this. And also, you know, respect to GEW for actually doing something. They didn't have to, but they, they did it. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm incredibly happy with what's happened and hopefully in our next podcast episode, we can kind of give some more thoughts on post nerf Botan, uh, now the LGT is over. There you go. That's it folks. That's all we got for episode four. Sorry for the technical glitches, but, uh, if you've got any feedback for us or you want to get in contact with us, just, uh, you know, should be pretty easy to find. We hope you've had a great time listening and, uh, this is me, David out. See you guys. Take care. Catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the 40k Fireside Podcast. Vic and I hope you've enjoyed listening and we greatly appreciate any feedback that you can provide after the show. 